Michael Gordon Peterson, a well known by his fighting name, Charlie fucking Bronson, is referred to as Britain's most notorious prisoner or the most violent prisoner in Great Britain. That's what we're talking about tonight on Death Metal. Tried to yell in British and it ain't work there. No, they just sounds the same. I'm gonna fuck a fish. I'm gonna fuck a chips. And I'm gonna come in your ass. I like a fish and chips. Dude. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. I, like I feel like British people do a lot of things right. Chant, dude. soccer chant, soccer hooliganism. I think fish and chips is the only food thing they do right. No way. They got all blood, dude. Yeah, British food rocks, brother. Does it? Okay. Yeah, of course it does. You got bangers and mash. Yeah, I had that one time. You did? Yeah, but it was at a place in Arkansas. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a bratwurst and beans and mashed potatoes. And I was just like, hey, where's the salt? Did you say this all tastes like water? <laughs> <laughs> a water sausage. That's just a water balloon, dude. Yeah. They just painted it brown. We're getting quaint. Put some sizzle marks on it. <laughs> I come all the way from Hot Springs where they got Mountain Valley water and I drink a sausage that tastes the same. Mountain Valley water. Mountain Valley water is the biggest scam of all time. Oh, yeah. Of all time. Because. You remember when we found this shit out? That it was that that so hot. We live in Hot Springs National Park. In case you didn't know, middle of Arkansas, the first national park in America. The special thing about Hot Springs is that there's hot springs that run underneath it, and it's all it's natural water, spring water. Yeah, comes from the mountain. It's heated from a volcano. Heated from a fucking volcano. Is there a volcano here? Absolutely not. The water circulates around, goes into the taps. Mm-hmm. Now there's four different places downtown where you can go and fill your water bottle up, take it back to your house. All of that by law filtered. They run it through the same exact filtration that they do the city water. Now we do have one of the top city waters in all of America, but funny enough, so is New York city. New York city is number one. Really? They have better water than we do in New York city. Huh? We have great water. However, the brand here, Mountain Valley Spring Water, is city water. Yep. So technically it comes from a spring, but it gets treated the same way as all city water. So people will go out of their way to pay extra money because they think they're getting some mineral-rich water. Negative, the minerals are killed by the treating process, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing that goes into it, too, is like if you look up Hot Springs, Arkansas, you'll, you'll the first thing kind of pops up is the bathhouses people will come from all over the world to to take baths in the mineral water and and uh absorb its different properties healing properties yeah and make uh, my body feel better i mean this and a lot of people don't know this this was actually supposed to be the first las vegas yeah and then uh al capone and all these different gangsters are coming around doing some wild shit doing prohibition cocaine there's there's underground tunnels in this town that are fucking in tunnels yeah where they would just Fucking, they had an underground uh, bowling alley. Fucking in an underground bowling alley. Yeah, doing cool. cocaine in an underground bowling alley. Drinking alcohol against the law. It's got a rich history of bullshit. Imagine alcohol being illegal. Yeah. There's drugs I like way more. If we could trade, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But you can't do cocaine without alcohol. Yeah. It's not as much fun, you know? It's not, it's like it becomes a non-party. It becomes a problem if you're not drinking with it, I think. Yeah. Then you just have something going on. Even though I take Adderall by prescription every day. Ah, 
Yeah. Oof. A couple things I wanted to talk about before we started the podcast. One, we're trying to get to 500 subscribers. That's our next YouTube milestone, which I think rocks. <clears throat> we got a video. If you're listening to this and we haven't reached it already, <clears throat> we, we need like 11 more, right? 10. 10 or 11, yeah. Yeah, so just like 10 more subscribers on YouTube to make 500. And uh, that's not like a lot of subscribers in YouTube volume. Like you can't even start doing ads until you get a thousand. Yeah, we're not trying to like do ads to make money. It's just cool to us. We don't advertise. We don't accept on our podcast. Like we don't really do shit. We do album reviews and we post the live episodes on YouTube. It's not even that crazy of content. So each and every person that listens or subscribes is special to us. Yeah, I mean we're fucking DIY punk metal dorks. That are just thrilled to have people into what we're doing. You know, we're not trying to make money. We're just having a good fucking time. Yep. And it's incredible that organically, that's the thing is like people pay for advertisements to get YouTube watches. Yeah. And uh, we haven't done that at all yet. No. Not one time. So that rocks. Thank you guys so much for getting into the channel. And yeah, I mean, I like the, another problem is, is any art form, <clears throat> you're like making it as you grow. Yeah. So we've been doing like open mic YouTube videos. I think we've gotten a lot better at doing album reviews and shit on YouTube. Yeah. But, you know, you start from knowing nothing and just work your way through it. So the, a lot of you people that have subscribed have watched us do complete bullshit and stuck around. So for that, thank you so much. And anyway, we've had audio issues and shit, so everyone's stuck around through the bad times. Thank you. We love you. We just appreciate where we're at right now in the ride. And yep. so if you if we get the 500, we just drink one Jaeger. We're kind of drunk right now. Yeah, yeah. Drink a Jägermeister shot. One with Vienna sausage water and a full sausage. Mm -hmm. One with kimchi. One with buttermilk. One with a full raw egg. And now I'm drunk off of garbage. Yeah. Ugh. I'm sure I'm going to barf at some point tonight. There's no way I'm not going to. I thought I was going to chug it, man. But once I get it down, it's down forever. It comes out forever, too, though. Second thing that I wanted to talk about before we start is the Shane Gillis shit. Have you seen that? Nope. That's what is beautiful about you that you, I, I feel like I'm pretty unplugged from the internet because I try not to interact with too much stuff or spend a lot of time lurking around. Shane Gillis is a comedian that moved to New York City. He's friends with like uh, Big J Ogerson. He's friends with Sam. That, that's, how, that's how I heard his name is because he's friends with Sam. Sam told me a hilarious story. Sam Talent, if you don't listen to the podcast. Uh, they were at Just for Last in Montreal and I guess Shane and Sam were like two of the new faces showcase if you're familiar with comedy you know what that dumb shit is if not <clears throat> it's a pretty like big thing for a comic that's never been on tv to speak of to get new faces in montreal sam and shane were on that they both had great shows shane told sam he wanted to go get hammered drunk so they went and got hammered at the bar you know who andrew schultz is Yes. He's like a wigger comedian that's yeah, yeah, doing yeah. very well right now. I don't think he's very funny. I really liked his business model and how he was like independently putting out videos. And then me and David Borey were touring around talking about him in the car. Dave told me maybe I shouldn't put Dave's name in it. I found out independently that he wasn't that funny. Mm -hmm. He just kind of does some like like one of his jokes that I watched where where he he was like, "You be fucking a girl." And she's like, do this, and I did that. And she's like, do this, and I did that. And she's like, give me more. And I'm like, only got so much dick. Yeah. That's old, right? Yeah. That's a... Is it the one where the guy taps his ass, and he's hoping that two inches come out? It's that, all... Yeah, it, there's yeah, so yeah, many yeah, versions yeah. of that. Yeah. Where she wants you to give her more dick. 
you only have so much dick. That's a hacky. That's what you would call a hack joke. Yeah. A lot of people don't even know what hack means. Hack. A hack joke is like taking the easy path, doing something that's been done before, in order to softball, t-ball, get the easy route to success. Yeah. Doing something that isn't like the most intelligent path. You didn't do it yourself. <clears throat> it's something you've heard before. It's easy to relate to people. And that's the thing. It's like you go to a comedy club. And me, I'm like a storyteller. I got longer stories that are about my life that take time to pan out. I've been working on it for year, like <clears throat> five fucking years. I'm going to barf. Yeah. I can feel moisture from those Jägermeister uh-huh. trash shots bubbling up. But yeah, like you work on it for years and you try to make the things that you want to be funny, funny. And so it's like what you think is funny might not be funny, but once you get good at comedy, you can find a way to make it funny. Or you could take the easy route and you know simple things that don't relate to you at all, but the average moron will laugh at no matter what. That's like a, a secret. Not as If you don't watch comedy and you just go to comedy clubs, it's just like regular everyday shit. People will laugh at that. They've heard it before. It's familiar to them. Anyway, that guy is there, and I think he's a cool guy. Like He's the first person that put captions on a comedy video. And he just like skirted all the networks, Netflix, and he's like huge right now because of YouTube videos with captions on them. Point being, he was at a table and he was talking to a bunch of industry people. Sam and Shane went to get drunk like Shane wanted. Sam can drink. Big guy, drinks hard. Yep. They get hammered. Sam's standing around the table. Shane goes to the bathroom, comes back drunk. And these are like television executives, people that change your life. Yeah. This guy, Shane, walks out and goes, what's up, faggots? Oh, man. And Sam was like, time to go. And like wrangled him up and got him <laughs> oh. out of there. Uh, that's a hilarious story. But now he's in deep shit because out of the Just for Laughs thing, he got hired at Saturday Night Live. Oh. And he got hired at the same time that they've hired the first full Eastern Asian person. And I don't say this to be mean, but the Eastern Asian person guy, this isn't an insult. He's literally autistic and gay. Okay. Literally. And so it's like a sensitive area for that guy. And they hired Shane Gillis. Well, Shane Gillis is like, I hate buzzwords. This is part of the problem. Buzzwords and terms. Because what I'm trying to do right now before we get into the podcast part, because Bronson is like, he can be your hero. Because he did a lot of gnarly shit. And Bronson's a hard guy. So there's some things about him. It, he's like a way less evil version of Panzram. Right? Like, there's horrible things about him, but he wasn't raping people. He wasn't murdering people. He wasn't doing... Like, all most of his gnarly crimes occurred within prison. Yeah. He's kind of an example of someone that got abused by the system and rose to the occasion and abused the system. So, he's a folk hero in a lot of ways, especially in Great Britain. I mean, people love Charlie Bronson. It's not that Shane Gillis compares to Charlie Bronson, but there's a lot of talk... And I'm just saying this like as a comedian because it relates a little bit. Some of the shit that we do on the show, a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot is edgy comedy. I hate that term because what I think of edgy comedy, it's people that open for Doug Stanhope for free. Yeah. It's like garbage new metal fans that love Doug Stanhope. And if he goes to like the middle of fucking Alabama or Iowa or some shit, there's some dumbass. Like when I open for Doug Stanhope, he pulled me aside gave me 50 bucks and was like, normally real comics don't open for me. 
you're a real comic. You're going to be great one day. You got to take this money because I pay, like, comics get paid. Yeah. And I've seen, like, if you, I don't know, you know, I get added by so many people from that group. And it's great. There's, like, a great group of people, like our friend Mishka. Yeah. That, like, know Doug Stanhope. He, he like, makes people's careers sometimes. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that just hang on to him because they think he's edgy. He's not edgy. He's a fucking very smart person that says things that some people would view as controversial, but he attacks topics that people think are hard to look at in smart ways. Yeah. He doesn't punch down. That's another term, punching down. He doesn't take the dumb route and say the N-word. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Louis C.K., that's punching down. Yeah. Like he did a whole comedy special just so he could say the N-word and be like, see, it's cool. Like there, there's, and I don't, I don't, I'm not shitting on Louis C.K. either for that. I mean, there's other reasons to shit on that moron and everyone else. Everyone can get shit on for one reason or another. I just hate the buzzwords edgy. And so what Shane Gillis got in trouble for to get hired on Saturday Night Live, first of all, he has a podcast called Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast. Secret podcast because they don't want people to listen to it because they're ridiculous. And they make what a lot of people call racist jokes. I don't view it as racist because it's just two dork comics trying to be funny to each other. Yeah. And so what he got in trouble for is he was talking about going to Chinatown. I didn't think the joke was funny. And, and like you know, what I think is I don't listen to that podcast. Never have. I've only seen this one clip. What it seemed like is an ongoing bit from podcast, like an inside joke. We have a lot of inside jokes yeah. that if you didn't listen all the time, you may hear an inside joke and think, what the fuck are they talking about? Or it doesn't make sense to you at all. So they're just talking about Chinatown and he's called Noodles. Noodles. Noobles, like making fun of the Asian accents. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, so I read Kirk Tong Tong. And like, I, we've done that before. Yeah, I've done yeah, that before. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have. I have. Yeah. And it, it's like, yeah. Is that like a cliche old thing? Yes. And that's what I mean. It, it's like not cutting edge. And that's what a lot of people are trying to hit him with. Because his apology for that was that he, he was trying to, he tries to push boundaries as a comedian. And then people were like, oh, that w- may have been pushing boundaries in like 1902 when people first started making fun of Asians. And that's a great point, too. He pushes boundaries in his mind. He and first of all, he's he's a funny comedian. He's a great comedian. Yeah, he's got a really great joke you can find online that was like that that Comedy Central up next thing. That's like a Facebook Comedy Central thing. He's got a joke called "Why White People Listen to Country Music." It's hilarious. Yeah, it's great. He's a great comedian. Obviously, he got hired on Saturday Night Live simply based on stand-up comedy, not off a writing packet. Not for being a sketch actor, for being a stand-up comedian, which doesn't happen a lot on Saturday Night Live. I mean, he's a great comedian, and he's going to do great as a result of the whole thing. And I don't care. I don't care what he does. Yeah. The whole point is, is like, I talk about it all the time, letting social media control your perception. Because to me, it's very obvious, and I'm not, I don't give a fuck about the guy. So I don't want people to be like, oh, like you're just standing up for another comedian. I could give a shit less. Yeah. We're not friends. It just is a broad picture of things because if you listen to our podcast, I say so much like I'll do Jesse Ventura, yeah, and how in Predator he's like, "You want some of this chewing tobacco? It'll make you a sexual tyrannosaurus," and everyone says no. He's like, "All right, you slack jawed faggots." Yeah, which slack we figured out slack jaw is retarded. So say retarded faggots. Like I'll say that all the time. Yeah, it's a it's a character. Uh, is it the funniest thing ever? No, of course not. We're just making fun of Jesse Ventura. And, like, I'm not – I also hate, like, going against, quote-unquote, PC culture. It's just when you hear buzzwords and you decide it has to be X, Y, or Z, nothing's black and white. There's always a gray area. And what's wild to me is, like, we've plugged Andrew Yang a lot on this podcast. Yeah. I think he's fucking awesome. Yeah. 
And like he's clearly trying to bribe his way into the White House, but I'm fine with it because what happened here is people started looking through that podcast and uh, Shane Gillis called Andrew Yang a Jew chink. Oh, God. But Andrew Yang was like, all right, I don't think it's funny. He heard the whole joke. He was like, like I don't it, like I like comedy. I don't think this is necessarily funny. He's like, I've been called chink, jap, slant-eyed gook. A lot of times, it's hurtful, but I understand the difference between someone saying it to me as a slur yeah. and someone trying to make a joke. What's well, the context? Exactly. It's yeah. the context. That's where it all always comes from. You could isolate a clip of our show. And do, yeah. There's a million things that we've said, and neither one of us are doing anything where we could get quote-unquote canceled for. I would yeah. love for that to happen. Drag. Oh, that's man. the only way to pop off. Just drag me somewhere. <laughs> but anyway, with the guy, the whole my whole thing, and what I love is Andrew Yang out of this whole deal. I don't give a shit about politics. That's what we always bring Andrew Yang up. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Politics are a joke. His response, again, it's a comedian. He's trying to make a joke. He's not personally calling me a Jew chink. He's not saying that to me. He's trying to be funny. Andrew Yang didn't find it funny. No problem. That's all you got to do with literally anything. Anything you find offensive, was it pointed directly at you? Because it was pointed directly at Andrew Yang in a way. However... Andrew Yang understands it's a joke. Well, the thing you're talking about, watered down, watered down PC culture. So the things that we need to be politically correct about, they get fucked up because people decide to be offended by fucking everything now instead of the things they should be offended about. You, you try to fucking make it like this ordeal of like, well, that's just wrong because of this. And it's like, no, man, it's the context. Every time it's the context. Yeah. If I'm directly calling somebody a terrible name because I don't like them or something they did or their religion or their color or whatever, that's a problem. I always feel like it's easy to tell the difference, right? Yeah. Like, well, it used to be when we're being. <laughs> well, I mean, for the for the average person, it's like it's up to you. The thing is, is like the way social media is is you get so many reactions. Yeah. It's like Rob Schneider weighed in on it, and he was kind of pro Shane Gillis to start with, but then he was like, and for the record, I don't think it's funny. It's like, you're Rob Schneider. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. But he's getting the most Twitter reactions he ever has. I don't use Twitter for this reason, because it's like a reactionary website. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I also don't understand it all. I'm like 2,000 followers. I don't know a fucking thing about it. It's like, well, like what do you do on there? It's just re replying, arguing with people. I don't have to, like, that's not something I want in my life. And I'm also not trying to Bill Hicks and be like, you got to use your mind, man. It, it's like no one understands anymore. And again, I can't, I only saying this again, just to stress. I'm not the guy to shit on PC culture again. Like we were in the hardcore. Yeah. The PC culture came up in hardcore in the nineties yeah. before we were in the hardcore. I mean, shit, I work with fucking trans kids, you know, You're it's, right. like, it, it, it's, it's a, it, it's just like, it's not even it's not even what's going on anymore. It's just on social media, if you're outraged about something and you make a post, you'll get a bunch of likes on it if you hashtag it to be in this issue if you make a point like I'm offended. And that's whatever. I mean, do whatever the fuck you want to. Far be it for me to tell you what to do. I just it's like, you know, I don't understand the whole thing, I guess cuz I'm old manning it. 
and it, it's not even related to the shank, like related to us. Like I, I, I say a lot of what I feel like people would view as hateful shit. Yeah, but it's like ironic and ridiculous. Yeah, and I feel like it's clear cut because we establish our own character, and I feel like like our listens never go down. Yeah, so I feel like you know we present ourselves as who we are, and then we try to be funny, and people know who we are. So even if it would be what some would find offensive, they understand us as a person. Oh, you're a good person. You're trying to be funny. I didn't find it funny, but I understand that it's a joke. Yeah. I, and it, it's not even like it's just the the people don't understand that there's gray areas with everything anymore. And again, I could give a fuck about this guy. Saturday Night Live sucks. Yeah. If he hasn't been funny since Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. Pretty much. Yep. So but the point I'm getting at is like, if I get to a certain place or we get to a certain place, it would be so easy to pull a rug out from under us. Maybe because yeah. you get famous in another way. And it's all like a disgusting cycle now. So all that's going to happen to that guy is like the people that are, I hate PC culture. I fucking sick of these faggots trying to say sucking dicks the right way. to. You got to cut your dick off and be a woman. I hate that shit. Yeah. Now he's going to be a hero of theirs. Like it's all predictable. Yeah, we, yeah. we like we. Uh, I feel more and more like we absolutely live in a simulation, because you can predict the outcome. You know what's going to happen to this guy, and he's way funnier than the other people that have been caught in that before. Yeah, like that Milo Yiannopoulos guy is not even a comedian. Yeah, he's kind of funny sometimes, but he's not professional level funny. This guy, I'm telling you, Shane Gillis is hilarious. So you put him in that spot, and it what that Owen Benjamin guy. Who got in trouble for like he's a definite hat comic. He's not funny at all, and he's made a million dollars off of being controversial. But he's not even funny. Yeah, Shane Gillis is fucking funny. Yeah, so you put him in that seat, and he's gonna smash it. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. The only reason I bring it up is just to remind people or new people we may have got. We say. So I say you don't say it's me. Oh, I say some wild shit. But, the, but, yeah, but, but yeah. usually off of my shit. Yeah, like yeah. I'm a ridiculous person, but you know I don't need to give you. I feel like you just understand yeah, me as yeah. a person. Yeah, it's all in good fun. And there's a lot of other you know podcasts out there that I don't know what needs to be established. I don't even remember what my point was. Anyway, we bought a bottle of Jägermeister and a 12 pack of fucking. Natural light that was forty something dollars. We got fifty of it from Shane Gillis, so take that as an advertisement if you might. But hell yeah, how did that happen? He just gave it to you. Somebody, I, we got fifty bucks this week, and that's who it was from. So oh, that's cool. Hell yeah, I never brought it up before, and I was like, like I said, I don't use Twitter. I saw the whole battle go off. Look, I can't defend the guy. I don't even like you know. I'm, I'm just fully disclosed that we got fifty bucks from the dude. Oh, okay. Who knows why? Right Probably because he's friends with Sam. Would be my guess. Yeah. Hell um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's not even like that's not even my point. My whole point is like, man, I just wish everyone would think for them fucking selves. Yeah, they're not going to. Like, but I feel like our listeners do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's you know, I've got no poignant things to say. I've mentioned it before. I'm not a smart person. The, the update of the new DSM five book uh, has personality disorders along with social media. Yeah, people being addicted to likes and everything, and it's like they like we we see it a lot of times that. Uh, People will change their personas just to be able to get a like. On well, you get that social little media. Fucking, it's, it's a scientifically proven fact that when you get a like on any form of social media and it buzzes your phone and it lights up your phone, they know 
the type of lighting they're using, yeah. the type of vibration they're using to elicit excitement within you when you get that. So you fire that little trigger of dopamine. So you do get addicted. And if you don't know that and you don't acknowledge it, and they and it's like social media companies, they'll they'll hamper you. Yeah. Like I'm for like you know, people have made fun of me on social media for saying it before. Like oh Alex Jones type of shit. We're fucking shadow banned, dude. Uh yeah, I think we are. No, I know we are. Like I tried to hide. I mean, this is embarrassing to say, but I was like speaking with and paid a little bit of money to like a social media and website builder. And they were like, yeah, like, so the, you know, shadow banning is real. It's not like a conspiracy. It's not a joke. It, it's also called organic reach ban. So it's like, if you're on Facebook, I have no idea how it happened. Like, the person doesn't know how it happens. It could happen for anything. But they'll keep you from getting your shit seen by outsiders. Like, yeah. you make your status public. They'll keep it to where only a certain percentage of people. Like, they have algorithms and if you, it's especially if like, I, th- I think because I had that City of Little Rock page, that's why. That's my theory. Yeah. Because I don't like, nothing else is like out there that much. Something happened with me in particular that like put a fucking plunger in to getting organic likes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. I don't give a shit. But that's the way it, and it could happen to anybody. So if you're like posting shit like, oh, how come no one likes it? It could be the fucking app. Yeah. It could be anything. It's not something to care about. You can't give a shit. Well, I know like, it doesn't on, matter. I know, like on Instagram, like there's there's plenty of people. Like uh, a prime example, the band Fluids, who shout us out. They their uh, shout out to us got damn near two hundred likes. Yeah, we put a shout out to them. It's like forty. Right. It's crazy. Well, and the way to check if you really want to know if you're shadow banned or not, which most of you aren't. Most of you aren't putting out things over and over again. And, and trying to like get likes. Another thing it could easily be is like I've paid money to do Instagram ads before for like events. They want you to spend money to get reach. Yeah. So if you have like a business, which a band, comedy, whatever you're doing, where you're gonna have events, if you want to pay money to advertise and you buy into that, they don't want to give it to you for free. They want you to spend money to get it done. So if you're not spending money. That would make a lot of sense to why they want to keep you from getting an organic. That's what's an organic reach is without paying money. Yeah. If you just want to put it out there, they don't want you to do it because they want you to pay for it. That makes so much sense. I mean, that's how they make money. Advertisers and independent people paying to have advertisements put on their website. And that's where a lot of people grow is if you have a lot of money, you can pay money to advertise and get a ton of likes. It's like they'll guarantee you you get 10,000 likes based upon X amount of money. And we don't have money to do that, and I, and I think it's lame to do it, too. Yeah. It's like, I'm sure, I mean, we, we'll do advertisements. Like, I want to do, like, Google ads and shit and make a website to do that for, like, YouTube and shit. Because you can actually make, like, revenue money with advertisements off of YouTube. But that's just regular internet business. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all whack. And and it's, like, once you know it's all business, like, no one made Facebook for fun for free. And then they didn't make Instagram and buy Instagram for fun. They're yeah. making money. It's a business. It's not a party. It's a business. So they don't want you. I mean, they want money. So if you're not paying them money, they're not going to be looking out for you. So, yeah, I mean, it, it could be a plethora of things. But if you want to find out if you are shadow banned, especially the easiest way is to get on Instagram. Find an obscure thing, a hashtag that's got hardly any posts on it. You know, if you find a hashtag that's got like 10 posts, hashtag that. Post it. 
have someone unfollow you so they're not following you at all, search that hashtag. So, like, let's say you hashtagged dog dicks red, purple, and black. That may not even be a hashtag at all. You're the one person that hashtagged it. If you don't pop up as that, when they search that, as the only post for that, you're shadow banned. Yeah. They can't find it. A lot of people have said, like, if you type in death metal dicks, it doesn't pop up. You know how, like, if you start typing in something, you get to, like, death metal D, and it pops in death metal dicks. It doesn't do that for us. Same with my name. I wish there was a way to dispute that. But it, but it, it's not, that's why they do it like that, so it's not disputable. Yeah. That way, because you're not, you can't prove. You can't be like, look, I paid twenty bucks to have this advertised. It didn't happen. You know, whatever. Now it sounds like we're whining. I'm not. I'm just. Well, the whole point of that is, is don't invest your life in social media. None of it matters. Nope. It's not going to translate over into the real world for you. So stop caring. You know, let your opinions be your own. Don't let the majority decide to think for you. Don't pile in on everybody because, you know, that's an easy way to gain a presence. If you're like a comic or a band, especially, don't join in popular fights because, you know, that's going to bring you in likes. It's not good for you. No, it makes your it makes your decisions not be your own. And I kind of think that's the entire point of social media. It's a fucking simulation. You're smarter than that and you're better than that. Now, let's jump into the podcast. That was long. I feel yes, like. it was. Sorry. It's okay. You needed to get that out, man. I guess. I thought it was going to be like five minutes, but here we are. Natural Light Seltzer is just as good as White Claw, by the way. Yeah, it's probably better, actually. Mm. Higher percentage of alcohol. Crisp and refreshing. That's a non-sponsored advertisement right there, brother. Yep. Bronson. I feel like most people probably know who this is. There's a great movie called Bronson. If you haven't seen it, I highly implore you to check it out. It follows his biography very well. I can't remember the actor that does it. He's great. Tom Hardy. Is that really Tom Hardy? Yep. He's got a huge dick. Yep. He's jacked. Yep. That's the guy that shoots the arrows in Avengers, right? I don't fucking know. Yeah, that's Tom Hardy. I didn't watch Avengers. No? Brian's telling me no. What else is Tom Hardy in, Brian? Doesn't matter. Anyway, it's a big, it's a big dick, son of a bitch. He's got a big piece, and uh, he's great in that movie. I, I've, I'm sure that's what set him off because it's like a low budget movie. He's the only main actor. I mean, he does all the dialogue. It's incredible. It's like a play. It's incredible. It's a. I just watched it again last night because I, you know, sometimes things live on in your brain where you overhype it. Not this. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. But yeah, let's talk about Bronson because again, you know, this is what we, we cover: crime. Bronson's a criminal, a lifelong criminal, somebody who didn't have that bad of a life, and just made it worse and worse on himself because that's what he craved. Yep, he wanted it, which is as hard as you can get. Now, Bronson has a book called Solitary Fitness. Andy Campbell, great researcher, helps out a lot. He bought the fucking book. Cool. Just to get into the spirit. It's all about push-ups. Probably doing the fucking workouts. Yeah, because you got to look at it like this. I read it. Yeah, of course you did. I read it, yeah. There's no... There, he doesn't have, like, weights to work out with. Yeah. He's in solid. So he works out every fucking day. We'll get into that. His book, Solitary Fitness, is how he describes himself. Oi! I am 5'10", and I weigh in at 230 pounds of solid muscle. If I hit you, I'll deform your looks. I can hit a man 20 times in four seconds. 
I can push 132 press-ups in 60 seconds. Can Ani do the same? I like how he's Australian right now. That's what I got. Okay, I like it. I thought he was Australian. That's what I invested in. He ain't making no blooming onions. You just got to (laughs) remember. You just got to think that my Australian is English. It's all the same. It's very close. Yeah. It's where English prisoners go. That's why I thought that. Because Australia is a prison colony for Great Britain. Okay. That's where they sent all their gnarly prisoners. They sent them off to Australia. They started a whole country based around that, mate. Okay. I can't even remember what an English person sounds like. Oi, governor, may I please have some old chippies? All you got to say is knickers a hundred times and you got it. Hey, my knickers. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) What did you say? I said me and my knickers. You're canceled. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Charles was born Michael Gordon Peterson, December 6, 1952, Lunson, Bedfordshire, England. He was one of three sons of Ira and Joe Peterson. His father was so conservative, he ran a conservative club in Aberswitz. His aunt and uncle each served as mayor. That's pretty progressive in my mind. Yep. Aunt was the mayor, and the uncle was the mayor in the 60s and 70s in the town of Lutton. His aunt, Eileen Perry, is quoted as saying, As a boy, he was a lovely lad. He was obviously bright and always good with children. He was gentle and mild-mannered, never a bully. He would actually defend the weak to bullies. Which he still kind of... <laughs> 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 I don't give a shit. People don't listen for my impressions. I'm just watching you, man, go. Yeah. Right caught that Ozzy Osbourne was. <laughs> he would never come by and give me a proper shag. The whole time I listened to Black Sabbath, I knew he was the weakest member, but he would never come by and fuck my cunt. Wow. (laughs) Peterson lived in Lutton from the age of four, but when he was a teenager, his family took him away to Ellesmere Port in Cheshire. And Cheshire's a rough place in England. It's a port town, I believe, where they eat fish and fuck ass. Yeah. That's when he started being a big-time troublemaker, which it makes sense, because if you're 12, 13, and you've grown up in one place, this happened to me too, you've moved to an entirely different area, I mean, you're used to one way of life, and you're in the middle of a raging hot puberty, Yeah, you get uprooted and sit somewhere completely different, you lose all your friends, it's so hard to make fucking friends when you're a kid, Yep. now you're stuck, just furiously masturbating with no one to talk to. It's true. To bring the rage out. That'll 13, he was in a squad of robbers. Tight. We talked about that in the MMA one. Man. You just get caught up in a gang of people that rob shit. That's, it still goes on today. That's a lot of the th- that's one thing I noticed a lot about England. There's so many gangs. There's lots of squads. And it's like a like yeah, like like football hooligans, pub hooligans, Man. robber hooligans. I hear kids all the time talk about squad. Squad life and shit. I'm sorry, man. That's from England, brother. That's you don't new. even know what the fuck that right. is. You're man. listening to Little Wayne. Think about like Chelsea Soccer Club. Yeah. Pull your tits out. Pull your tits out. That's what again talked about several times. That's what I love about football hooligan culture is their ability to turn anything into a beautiful jingle. <laughs> yeah, dude. We watched a documentary about hooligans one time. We talked about this before. It's, oh, have we? Man? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah. They just see a woman. Like, they're like, they're seeing. They're on the subway and they're like. Hurry up and stop. Oi, hurry up and stop. Oi. They like get out in the streets <laughs> yeah. and they're like, 
where can we find a pub, boy? Where can we find a pub? They look up and they see a woman in the window, minding her own business. Yeah, huge boobs, but not paying attention to these idiots at all. And they just all stop. A hundred dudes just pull your tits out, pull your tits out. Just turn into everything. It's your fucking shit, which <laughs> can be it, terrible man. if you're on the other end of it, but it sounds like a lot of fun. Like, why would you not just want to sing at everybody? Singing at people rules. Yeah, it's funny, And if man. you just have a whole group of people like, where's your Slim Jims at? Cunt! Where's your Slim Jims at? You know what I was thinking of? <laughs> <laughs> one time we were in California, and you parked the car all wild because we were fucked up. And and you and you realize how fucked up you were when we yeah. ate an In and Out burger and you were yeah. too close to that car. I was like, look at how you parked, and you go, saw my fucking butt. Funny shit. See that people rules, dude. And the funniest thing was like, both land. of us are like, you know, we, we never opt to take the back seat, but we were sure. so fucked up that we took a nap on top of each other in the Sometimes back seat. Sometimes you got man. to, man. <laughs> yeah, dude, our buddy had to fucking drive, and he just fucking killing it, man, just laughing his ass off. That shit was fucking. Gold, we even passed out right close to each other. What's <laughs> oh, funny man. is I'm like, you know, I don't have a printer anymore, so I got to read the episode notes that I hybrided with Andrew off of my phone. I yeah. got to like go in and touch him up to what I want to say. So I'm looking at my phone. My wife just texted me and said, our son has diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. And she knows because she saw sprayed all over <laughs> every part of the toilet. Diarrhea. Spray it up. <laughs> so she had to go buy disinfectant wipes and wet wipes. Crap. Because <laughs> he's spraying everywhere, dude. Diarrhea sucks, dude. Diarrhea does suck. This is a man sitting down as a kid, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, this coffee pot just got some high pressure. <laughs> it's always hot. He's probably hating life right now. Sorry, dude. Uh, anyway, but. Wipe your asshole, wipe your asshole, wipe your asshole. Hoy, hoy, hoy. I hate whenever you wipe your ass after a diary, it's all sopped. Dude, I had like a PR squat and I gave myself hemorrhoids. Yeah. Has that happened to you yet? Have you lifted so hard you got a hem? No, nah, no, not from that. It's not good, dude. I've done it from grappling before. It's not good, brother. It's just been like constantly bleed. It's like on the inside, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not like. A- I've never got hemorrhoids like people talk about how, well, we, okay, you know how I know what a hemorrhoid looks like on the outside? It's because the time we went to that tip bar in St. Louis, yeah. where they were just open eating ass, yeah. just spreading ass and eating it for a dollar. Yeah. You remember this? Yeah. And you could visibly see hemorrhoids. There was some fucking- She had like giant skin tags in her asshole and more power to you. Yeah. It's- I, I liked it more than the normal ass. So I had character. Yeah. But I don't have that. They're but like on the like, inside. But I got like, like a, a, I got like a steady drip of blood coming oh, out. Okay. That's like when you lose your pencil in school and you got to get <laughs> under the desk because you see all that gum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like she had a cauliflower ear Crap, in her I asshole. I got my number two mechanical <laughs> pencil. And she had a cauliflower asshole. Ooh. Yeah, that's from Fatlin. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, age 13, Charles got involved in a squad of robbers. He was caught. After doing a heist, and he got sent to juvenile court. Now, Charles, opposite of what his aunt said, and she did say that he stuck up for kids that were getting bullied, so that could have been getting in fights. From as far back as he can remember, he says he loved getting into fights. He barely went to school because he was suspended all the time from getting into fist fights. Now, I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 
the I remember the first time I physically stood up for myself and struck someone. I knew that's what I was for. Yep. I knew. As soon as I fucking I had nerves. I could feel I was but I had to. Yeah. I had no choice. Had to hit the kid. And as soon as I did, and I saw him get shook from it, and I piled more on him, I knew that's what I was made for. I yeah. knew it. Yeah. I knew it for a fact. Yeah. It felt so good. And I I mean, you know, I felt nerves before, including cage fights, every fight I've gotten. Yeah. You get nerves, but it just feels so right. Yeah, it's a different it's a it's kinda like, man, I can't wait to get on this roller coaster. I know the beast is fat. Now he watched him hide my her <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck you Some said. Some shitty tool shit. Anyway, of course, because he was suspended so much, obviously he was going to leave school. It didn't work out for him. He wasn't a school chap. He started working at Tesco. That only lasted two weeks before he got fired for beating the shit out of his manager. Now, that happened to me, too. Yeah. Have I talked about this before? Nope. I used to work at this restaurant called Conway's Red Top. I feel like I have. Okay, I don't remember. Colorado Springs, we made hubcap burgers. Had this piece of shit manager named Dennis. He had a Godsmack Sun tattoo on his calf. Big, fat motherfucker. Tongue ring, eyebrow piercing, earrings. I remember the owner of the restaurant's son was named Phil Conway. Very cool kid. This guy would fuck with me all the time. One time I was on the grill. He threw vinegar and water on the grill, which vinegar, once it hits the grill, it's very caustic. And so I got it in my nose, having no idea what was going to happen, and I was gagging, eyes watering, and he was like, that's what pussy smells like. Oh, man. So I smacked him up, took him down, clocked him a couple times, fired, but it felt great. That was a 40-something-year-old giant man. Yeah, yeah. He kicked his fucking ass. Yeah. Got canned for it, but it felt great. I did that, too, at Grandpa's Catfish, man. My, oh, hell yeah, you did. My manager fucking took me out back to talk to me because this fucking lady freaked out. And she was like, my fish is too fishy. I was like, well, do you want it to taste like fucking chicken? <laughs> and then the boss heard it, and he goes, we need to talk outside. And he started doing the the old man thing where he points your finger in your chest, that like pokes you in the chest. Nope. And I wrist locked the fuck out of him. And yep. I told him, I was like, this is my last day here, but you'll be paying me for the rest of the week. And, and he fucking, did? Oh, yeah, he oh, did. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm going to get me another job by the end of the week, and you're going to give me a good review whenever they call you. (laughs) (laughs) Come back up here and kick your fucking ass. I was thinking about this. I forgot about this shit. Is you remember when Jackie was pregnant with our first kid? Yep. She worked at that restaurant here in town Uh before I bounced upstairs. Yep. And one of the guys that worked there, I guess she, you know, she was like pretty pregnant. And couldn't do something. And he was like, hey, carry this. And she was like, I can't carry more than like 30 pounds. The doctor said she was and he like was like, God, you fucking bitch. And like carried it. And she told me and I went up there and pulled him outside. Yeah. You remember this shit? Yeah, man. That's how you make your wife remember how cool you are forever. Yeah. Because, yeah, no, I showed up like during they hired me as a bouncer because of that. Yeah. I showed up during like she called me and was like crying about it. And I was like, oh, no. I showed up there and I was like, who is this guy? And they were like, right there. And I was like, get the fuck outside. I was like, you call my pregnant wife a bitch. And he was like, well, man, we're just in the middle of work. And I was like, no, no, no. Did you call her a bitch? And he was like, yeah, but I didn't mean it like that. I was like, all right. We have two options here. One, you're going to go inside. You're going to apologize to her. You're never going to talk to her again. You're not going to ask her to do anything. You're not going to look at her. 
You're not going to make a noise to her. You're not going to exhale hard like you're annoyed by her being around. You're going to completely fucking ignore her after you apologize sincerely. Or right now, I'm going to fuck you up. And he was like, right now? And I was like, yeah, right fucking now. He's like, I'll say I'm sorry. Like went inside and that was that, baby. Yeah. And then after that, the owner of the restaurant asked her if I could come be the bouncer upstairs. Yeah. And then he would show up to try to drink upstairs and just leave. Yeah, I remember, no choice. I remember, I remember I got, you, you were like, man, I'm going out of town. You want to go bounce? Because you got me a job there, too, sometimes. And then ended up later on when you left. Uh, there was one night he goes, well, you go slap that guy? And I did. And he go, it blew his fucking mind. He didn't expect me. I was no question. Just slap the guy. And he goes, hey, we got to pay good money at that gig. Oh, yeah, dude. Dump the cash. I mean, yeah. I'm fucking... The owner of that place was such an asshole. Yeah, yeah. And he, they basically just pay you to like fuck people up that he fucked with. Yeah. But once I figured out that he was using me to be a bully, he'd be like, the one time someone, he thought they were trying to walk out on a check, but all that happened is they accidentally got too drunk. It's a fucking bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, he was like, go get those guys. They walked out on a check. I walked downstairs and I was like, hey, did you guys pay? And the guy was like, yeah, I paid. And I was like, hey, man, I don't think you paid. They're telling me you didn't pay, so could you just come back upstairs? And he was like, yeah, I'll go back. Like, let me check my credit card. He just forgot, yeah. He, he just forgot he got too drunk. And then by, before that, he was going to come back and check and pay. Yeah. Just wanted to check his phone to see if he had paid or not. That's not a big deal. So the owner is like, fuck this motherfucker. He's trying to get one over on me, this piece of shit. So the guy heard that, and he was like, fuck you. I didn't do it on purpose. If I did it, don't talk to me like that. And he was like, I'll talk to you however I want to. Hit him, Chris. And I was like, I'm not going to hit him. Yeah. You fucking idiot. Yeah. He just didn't know. This is a business. You're paying me to not beat people. You want people to come back. This guy's been here before. He'll come again. It's like a hundred something dollars. Let him pay. He was like, no, this motherfucker doesn't talk to me like that. I was like, he wasn't even talking to you. You made yourself the problem. That boy was sociopath. He's something, got something wrong with him, man. I let him get hit a couple times. Hell yeah. He deserved it. Now, one time somebody did bounce out on the check when I was working up there, and I fucking grabbed the back of their pants and suplexed him off the boat dock. Oh, yeah. Into the water, dude. <laughs> it was the fucking funniest shit, man. One of the worst things I've ever done in my life, and I really shouldn't tell us on a podcast. <laughs> nope. I should not tell us. I'm going to. I'm going to, because okay. that's the commitment that I have to entertainment. And it's a very Bronson story, right? So we had Moscow Mule. I haven't told us before, right? I don't think so. We, they have Moscow mules. When they just got them, you know, it's a stupid fucking brass mug that they mix the vodka, lime juice, and Sprite, and fucking ginger, whatever dumb shit they do. This guy with two girls tried to walk out with one. He tried to tuck the copper mug into his pocket. They're like, hey, man. He's trying to take that mug. Go get it back. Walk outside. I'm like, hey, man. Give me that mug back. Good try. Try and be funny about it. It's also just like the, none of them are threatening. Yeah, yeah. They're seems just like trying to be cool. Right. seems like it's not going to be a big deal. They're just trying to be funny. And the guy goes, fuck you, man. And I was like, all right, I get it. You're drunk. Give me the mug. I'm not going to have any problems. Like, I don't have a fucking mug. And I was like, well, what are you holding underneath your jacket? He's like, I'm not holding anything. I was like, dude, <laughs> I'm 30. You're probably 50. Stop trying to steal a mug. Just hand it over to me and go home. Let's get this over with. And he's like, I don't have a fucking mug. Fucking get on my face. I'm like, I'm 10 feet away from you. You don't want me any closer. So he's like, turns around, starts to walk away. So I go over to him, open his jacket, see the mug, take the mug away. 
He starts to step towards me. I push his face back. I look to the left, and the one of the girls that's with him is taking out a thing of mace. Yeah. She tries to push it down to spray me, but it's got a safety lock on it. She's trying to switch it off. So while she's trying to switch it off, I take that mug and... <laughs> Hit that bitch in the face with it. <laughs> She's laying on the ground crying. The guy tries to hit me. I choke him to sleep, of course. Uh-huh. Set him down on top of her. The other girl's screaming. Mike, stay arm's length away or you're next. There's a sheriff that works downstairs every night. He comes up. Maces all three of them. Yep. Rest of the cops come. They all go to jail. Yep. And it's all their fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get maced. I've been, you know in a, I mean? I've been in a situation similar to that there <laughs> where it wasn't anybody's fault and they just were just flexing, you know, it was stupid. Oh, it was their fault. Yeah, yeah. Diverting far from Bronson. I, again, I'm fucking hammered. I feel like we're having fun, right? This yeah, it's a good time. Perfect. <laughs> anyway, Bronson loved the scrap. He got out of school. He got in beat up his first fucking manager. Classic stories. This is not unlike me and Buddy. That's the case we're trying to lay out. From that time, he had several short-term jobs. The only time he found his fucking groove is a job that he wanted to do forever. Moving bricks. That's what he was the guy for. He was strong as fuck, naturally. Good genetics, liked to work hard, liked to scrap, liked to move around. So he was a great person for this company because they needed people. I mean, this is, you know, back in the day before there was a lot of easily accessible heavy equipment. Physically, personally moved bricks. They loved him. Then he got arrested at age 17. He went to HM Prison Riley. Why? He smashed some parked cars after arguing with his girlfriend's father again. Something in a drunken rage or just drunken fun. We've done. Smash cars. Yeah. Done it several times. I'm not going to mention any details because I'm sure we could still get in trouble for it. Yep. After the trial for that. Was in jail for a while. He was fine. Put on probation. After that, because he's big and strong, likes to work hard, he became a furniture mover. What he liked to do in his free time? Go out, get drunk, and fight. So regularly fighting on his nights out. Evolved to where not only was he fighting for fun, it's England, so people would wager money at bars on fights. So he would get in scraps at bars... It basically, I mean, this is before MMA. Yeah. So people would wager money on who's the toughest guy in town. He loved to do it. If he could get paid doing it, even better. After being involved in a petty crime, he got in a lot of trouble for the first time because he stole a truck for fun. Drunk. Crashed it into another car. He was able to escape from that. He traveled 90 miles away to his parents' home. This is when he got picked up by the police because obviously they knew who he was, where to look for him. The driver of the car he smashed survived the wreck. Could point out that it was Peterson doing it. Only served a short sentence. Again, back in the day, drunk driving wasn't that big of a deal, especially in England. It's a very drunk society. You had to do bodily harm to somebody to get caught and in trouble at that time. But he did get more fines. He was already on probation, so his probation got stiffened, which gives him harder things to report to, which is how people do get caught up in the federal prison system. Yep. At the time, I don't think England had four prof- poor, for-profit prisons like we do. Yeah. But still, you're caught in the system. After his trial, 
He got into crime and also hard physical labor at age 19. I mean, again, this is only a two-year span. At age 19, he was convicted for doing a smash and grab with his gang. The judge gave him another fucking chance. And also, we should say this before we get too far into it. The judge gave him another chance. A very charming person. I mean, he's not the smartest guy. Peterson at the time, before he took on Charlie Bronson. And he did name himself Charles Bronson after the movie. Yeah. Charming person. I mean, a lot of the things that he got into, as we'll learn later, was to impress other people. That's why my social media thing, getting into, quote-unquote, cancel culture, PC culture, piling on to people along with other people, you got to be smarter than everybody else. Yep. You don't go along. Because there, a lot of the reason that he got himself in shit over and over again, because he loved the attention. Yeah. He loved to entertain people. You'll see it as it evolves. But anytime he could get somebody to say, whoa, look at this fucking crazy asshole, that's what he got off on. That's what made him bust. He loved it. Day in, day out, he did this type of crazy shit exclusively for attention. That's how it all ties together, friends. Don't think I'm just on some wild shit. He met Irene Kelsey, 1971. He married her eight months later, like a real animal does, in 1972. When Irene was four months pregnant, because that's what happened, Irene said about Bronson, he was so different from any other boys I knew. He always wore a tailored suit, had perfectly groomed sideburns and a cockney accent. Hell yeah. Like the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Their son, named Michael Jonathan Peterson, followed his father's footsteps all the way. Got in fights. Tore shit up, vandalized, was a punk rock kid, protested the government. Of course, what do you do when your dad's Charles Bronson? It just sounds like a big old case of the old ADHD to me, man. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, white trash shit in another country. Yeah. <laughs> it's not American yeah. exclusive. They don't have trailers, they got flats. Oh. Five years after they got married and had a kid, they got divorced, of course. When you're a wild man, I don't know how the fuck I've been married so long. Yeah. I'm coming <laughs> up on fucking uh, two years next month. That's far away from five, bro. Yeah, I know. But that's you right. could easily blow it at any moment. I know, man. I got to three one time. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Woof. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, you'll you'll stick around. Yeah, I'll stick around. But can they? You shouldn't. Can they? I mean, that shouldn't have happened. Oh, no. I tried to beat you up when you were going to get married. No, you didn't even know I was getting married. I came and told you after that you're gonna get married, and I tried to fight you about it. Uh, uh-uh, it happened after, man. I went to your wedding, you fucking moron. I'm talking about the first one. Oh no, 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 not the first. Nobody knew about that one. The first one. We only dated a week, and then got married, and then showed up and told everybody. <laughs> the only person I knew was Brian. I went to your wedding. No, you didn't. You went to the uh, after party. You're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, you yeah, got married yeah. to the creek. Yeah. But no, 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 no. Okay. No, remember this. Yeah. We were in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, like I like on on site, I hated this bitch. Yeah. Hated. Yeah. On site. Like as soon as I met her, I was like, no. <laughs> like this is This was a this was definitely after all that shit. Nope. Nope. We were in Nashville and you were like you were trying to quit the referee job that we were working. Yeah. You're like, I gotta spend more time with her. And I was like, dude, fuck that shit. 
You're not listening to me. I'm telling you, she's a piece of shit. You've known her for like a week. Stop being a fucking moron. No, 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 no. Dude, this was way. This is like three months into it. I promise. After you've been married? Yeah. No, I because promise. I was like, you're going to marry her. Yeah, I promise. No, dude. I your promise. timeline's wrong. No, your timeline's wrong. No, your timeline's wrong. There was the You were fucked up when it happened. Of course I was. You were they more had the drunk Kool-Aid. than me. They had the Kool-Aid thing in that at that bar, like a rainbow-colored Kool-Aid guy. It started at the fucking... Uh, uh, oh, fuck. What are they called? Uh, oh, the little fucking flappy things with the ball, man. Pinball. Pinball. Yeah. Kid. Yeah, I remember, man. No, but this was before you married her. No one. Yes, it was. No. I'm going to fight you all over again. (laughs) (laughs) You can beat me now. My fucking arm hurts. Well, you couldn't, but my arm hurts bad. Okay. (laughs) No, you know you could. Come on, dog. What are you thinking about? Uh, If your body works like your brain, I can. But it don't. (laughs) That's that's what causes all my problems. That's the entire issue. Is I got all this, but none of this. (laughs) Retard. That's true. Uh, We're canceled. But anyway, point being, I hated her from Jump Street. And uh, caught up to you, goddammit. Yeah. Hey, man. These things happen. Relationships full. People aren't meant for each other. You can't blame Peterson for this. Uh, Of course, she was super bummed out when he was convicted of armed robbery in 1974. Only 22 years old. He was married with a kid. He got sentenced to seven years at a serious prison named Walton Gowell. Quickly put into the punishment block after attacking two prisoners with no provocation. He he probably heard the rumors that when well, you got a prison there, you got to attack the biggest guy on the first day and that's, went after him. I'm sure this would happen. That's true. And then he attacked a fucking guard. Hell yeah. Because, I mean, number one, to explain about Bronson, again, before he's Bronson, giant problem with authority. Mm-hmm. Now, he says himself in his biography that his parents were great. Yeah. Which really makes me wonder where it got triggered at. Because I've got the same thing. Yeah. Now, I haven't beat up a bunch of prison guards because I haven't been in prison or anything like that. But I'm very defiant to authority. Well, I think it comes from being ADHD, too. And all also ways. having no... I think... Oh, well, mine's probably from having no dad. Well, yeah, it, it can be that. But I think that the way... We both have ADHD, and where our brains work is that we'll remember something one way, and it didn't happen, like we were talking about earlier, and then somebody will go, "No, here's the here's the proof," and then we're, "Oh fuck, I was wrong." But in that meantime, we think we're so right about everything because our brains only fire on the instance of excitement and the making our making sure that we get that attachment with our serotonin and dopamine levels. And that's yeah. what happens. And then our brains just don't work that, the way they're supposed to. We're supposed to remember things. I mean, we leave our phones in the car, lock our keys in the car. Yep. Do shit like Lose that. Lose the wallet. Yep. All that kind of shit. Yeah. So, and it just is uh, excitement's what fucking just clicks it all together for us. It's, that's where we thrive and live, man. Well, MMA really humbled me and tackled my, my aggressive, like direct aggressiveness. Yeah. I mean, especially like doing jujitsu. And getting smashed on the mat by bigger people. It's like you're used to getting in street fights with people and just destroying everybody. Because I'm yeah. a giant person. Uh, I got a lot of willpower. So I'm hard to beat in a fight on no knowledge because I yeah, don't want to lose the fight. Yeah. So I'll go through a lot of punishment to come out on top. But then when you start training with people that fucking know how to fight... And they smash you at every angle. Yeah. It crumbles your ego. 
and you have to rework it with like the actual knowledge that you have. So th- I mean, that stomped it out of me a lot. I think that probably would have probably fixed fucking Bronson's problem too. Yeah. But he didn't have those opportunities in the 70s. So again, he got transferred to HM Prison Hole. That was a B-class offender prison where Walton Gowell, which is again a serious felon prison, is a C-class prison. A-class is the worst that it can get. 1975, Peterson at the prison refused to do any work. Destroyed a workshop after an altercation with a prison guard and was sent to the punishment block. What happened, he was... I mean, that, that's a problem with prison. I don't know exactly how it was in England, but like what I... One of the things that's super shitty about prison here is not only do prisons make a profit for having prisoners physically there, but they do slave labor. Yeah. I mean, they make products. They make Levi's jeans. They make license plates. They make all types of shit in prisons. I mean, furniture, unfathomable companies, giant companies that you buy shit from all the time. They use prisoners to manufacture their goods. There's factories in fucking prisons. They're working in factories, and they get paid like nine cents an hour. So if you've been in prison for 20 years, you get a paycheck for 500 bucks when you're out. That's bullshit. Yeah. It's slavery. It's uh, indentured servitude. And they're, they're trying to get rid like, I know that the Supreme Court banned for-profit prison. And I don't know what happened with all that shit because I'm dumb. Yeah. But I think California just outlawed it completely based on that law like the last week. Uh, so but they tried to make Bronson go to work and he was like an old school fucking advocate against that shit. He was working in a place where they had to sew things, the sewing machine. Bronson said, fuck that. Hell, man, I'm not fucking doing it. Prison guards came in. He went to scrap with the prison guards. I'm telling you, he beat up five or six prison guards at a time. And that was the whole theme of him being in prison is he took on several officers. He would often take their weapons. I mean, if you were a prison guard and you had to deal with Bronson, you were always having a bad fucking day. Yeah. He didn't go down without a fight. He was strong as fuck. He'd been working out his whole life. Which that's all it took. Like a lot of most motherfuckers in England just didn't work out. They just ate beans and sausages and worked in factories, which that makes you strong alone. Yeah. But he was intentionally doing exercise to get stronger. And as you'll see, that's the way he looked at fucking prison. The only way they can control him is to inject him with the sedative chlorpromazine, which made him sick. And because of getting in a fight and being at prison guards, they added six months to his original seven-year sentence. Yeah. Which almost eight years, obviously, his wife fucking bailed. Never knew his kid. A lot of times with authority figures, too, they tell you to do something. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the way that we handle a lot of kids with those kind of disorders where they're, they're defiant towards authority is we, we ask them to do something. If they refuse, we just go, oh, so you're refusing, you're refusing to do something. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Well, snack time comes around, and everybody's excited because they think they're going to get brownies, and then they just get popcorn. Because well, you said you were going to get brownies. It's like, yeah, but I didn't feel like it because you didn't do this. I asked you to do it, and so we're doing popcorn. And so they're like, oh, shit. There's a con-, You know, it kind of does this, like, mental, like, this cog- like, cognitive thing where they go, oh, shit. If I need to comply just a little bit to get the things I need. Whereas they're telling them, like, you're going to do this. Right. Or I'm going to kick your ass. Right. But then majority of the time they can't. 
you know. When well, that will never work with the defiant person. No, I mean that's why they're in there. Exactly. You know, they're gonna go against whatever you say, no matter what. So if you really try to stick it to him, it's gonna make it even worse. You're gonna yeah. very much aggravate. So genius way of dealing with him. Are you trained to do that, or is that just some shit you thought of? That's no, that's the way we do it. I mean, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, you have to like basically be like, well, I why do I I don't feel like doing that either. I don't feel like doing this. Yeah, you didn't feel like doing that, so I don't feel like doing this. Got them. You know, sometimes they freak the fuck out, and then you gotta, you know, call the authorities or whatever, and somebody will come pick them up and take them to some place because it's, you know, that's the cycle that they're in. They they think they're in a place that's. Not even that crazy, but they got to go to the crazy place. And that's yeah. kind of what he's doing, you know? Yeah, and also with, what, what sucked is, like, the guards realized that the corpromazazine, <laughs> or however the fuck you say it, worked so well against him and made him... I'm, I'm guessing he was probably allergic to it, or it was such a strong sedative that he just got immediately nauseous. They would use that against him. Yeah. So... He would recover from it and then just be a fucking pain in the ass until they gave him a shot again. So because of his behavior, he was always in solitary confinement, which is another shit prison tactic because it's made to drive people insane. Yeah. So if you're taking this borderline crazy person, shoving him in solitary confinement, and the thing with Bronson is he loved it. Yeah. Because he never took it as a punishment. The, he liked prison. Because he thought of himself as a gladiator. Yeah. He was like, okay, you're going to put me in here by myself. What I'm going to do is work out as hard as I can to get as strong as I can. So the next time, I'll win. So he would think every time they came, he would be that much stronger. Every time they put him somewhere, he would just work that much harder. That's not what you want. You're creating a shit cycle for everybody. Yep. You don't want some muscled up fuck coming for your ass. And and that's very similar to Pan's Ram because he intentionally exercised with the thought pattern that he's making himself more of a weapon. And I felt that way before. Yeah. But doing a sport. Yeah. Like you make yourself a weapon. Once you get in that mindset, if you don't have an outlet, a good outlet, like MMA to focus on. Yep. You're a problem. Yep. You're a problem for everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I got off a little bit. I just right. I was, like, <laughs> I was right. like, yeah, we're having a conversation here. Yeah. Yeah, just fucking fuck off here and get into it there. Uh, yeah, so the, they started using it. He'd have to recover from it. He was a pain in the fucking ass. He hated everybody. Getting sol- solitary confinement. Work out as hard as he could to be a bigger pain in the ass. An infamous thing that he got into, he attacked fellow prisoner John Henry Gallagher. It would be much better if it was Ron Gallagher. Watermelon smasher. And the dude brought a sledgehammer. He just took it away from him and smashed his head. Oh, yeah. The comedy sucks. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, John Henry Gallagher, he smashed him in the head with a glass jug, which got him another charge of grievous bodily harm with a weapon, another nine months in prison. He was then transferred to HM Prison Armley Gal. Peterson realized his reputation as a violent motherfucker had spread between prisons. Why? Because 1975 to 1977, he was switched between Armley, Wakefield, Packhurst, and Walton prisons, taken from Yorkshire to London, chained to the floor of a prison van, kept being put in solitary confinement, 
And that's when he started documenting his personalized fitness program, making himself become stronger, doing things specifically to fight prison guards. Every time a guard would come around him, he would attack them. So they knew. And it's like there was already human rights in England. You couldn't just leave him by himself with no food. You had to deal with what he was doing. You had to take care of him as a human being. Every yep. time you tried to unchain him and deal with something, he'd fuck you up. Yep. That's a problem for everybody. Mm-hmm. But again, he's doing it with reason. And his reason is, one, he is violent. Two, yep. he has authority. Three, he loves attention. Yep. This is what he considered his comedy. In his book, he considers himself a comedian. Yeah. He thinks when he does these things in front of people, they like it because it's funny. Yeah. When they would transfer him to a different prison, all the prisoners would cheer. Standing ovation. Here's Charlie Bronson. There he is. That's the fucking guy. Oh, man. Let's bring him out. Bring him on, boys. Charlie Bronson. Charlie Bronson. Fuck my arse. Do you think he just like, fuck it. Do you think he fucked anybody in prison? There's yeah. no document, though. But most of the time he was in solitary, so I really doubt it. Yeah. I don't think he was motivated by sex at all because, my, again, look, and he says this in his book, I don't want to make prison seem fun or cool to nobody like it's a good time, eh? However, I had a great time in prison because, again, all he was doing was training to beat up prison guards and cops. That's what he did. Kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. It is cool. Yeah, it's, I, cool. Yeah, it's, it's definitely cool. cool. <laughs> I, I don't think he had, like, sex hormones so much. Because, like, me, that would be my downfall. Yeah. I got to fuck. Yeah. You know? Would you fuck a prison guard? I don't know. I don't know. I'm horny. Yeah. I've never been horny for a man before, but, you know, years down the road, who knows? You got to tie him to the bars of your bunk bed to shave his <laughs> ass so it looks more like a lady? Who knows, dude? But, yeah, I mean, but there's no... I don't think. I could learn different, but I'm pretty sure there's no document of him doing that. But I don't think he was, like, horny. He had to be, man. I think he was just, yeah, because his testosterone is through the roof. But, yeah. I, but I don't know, man. Hard to say. That's a difficult question because he didn't say anything about it in his biography. But that, you know, would make a lot of sense because you wouldn't admit to that. Yeah. But I don't think anyone else came out. But also, you probably wouldn't come out against Charles Bronson. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, He might bust out the old bony baloney and he take it He may have been clapping cheeks, dude. Yeah, he man. He probably was clapping cheeks. I mean, that's the culture. Yeah. Oi, bring your ass. Bring bring it over here. I'm going to put some tartar sauce in your mash. Ooh. <laughs> here comes the fish and dicks. Uh, uh, I'm still tasting all the bad, dude. Oh, I'm still tasting all the... I hadn't burped yet. All the Viena sausage, all the buttermilk. Eggs. I can feel that egg. I felt the egg yolk pop in my throat. That's the bad part about chugging egg yolks. Yeah. It's like when your throat... When you, the whole egg... When your throat contracts, you can feel it pop the yolk like a zit, you know? Yeah. That's what uh, That's what almost sent me over the edge, brother. Uh, yeah, so after he attacked him, he got transferred to HM Prison, Armley Gowl. Uh, that's, again, again, like he was doing his comedy. That's what he was doing. His comedy was changing the floor the whole time while he was being kept in solitary. That's when he started his own fitness program. Um, that time he was in solitary, when they took him in... 20 prison guards jumped on him. 20. And he gave them a hard time. I mean, they had to put him out, which was strong-willed, used to fighting motherfucker. That could take a long time. Yeah. 
So he's recovering in solitary confinement from a serious fucking beatdown. And and they say, you know, you know they didn't stop when they made him stop because they're all mad. They got oh, Billy yeah. Clubs. There's egos involved. They stop. I mean, they fucked him up. He lost teeth. Yeah. He got beat. While he's in solitary confinement, he finally got his divorce papers from his wife, Irene, which is not going to help you. I mean, he pretty much knew their relationship was over when he got the seven-year sentence. While he was in court, his mom was like, don't worry, Charlie, you'll only get four. Be on good behavior. No, he's going to get more time. He's just going to keep adding time. This yeah. his whole life. He didn't do that much crime. As you'll see, he just keeps tacking on to it by assaults in prison. He's the wild boy, man. So he can't hold on. He can't contain himself. Get a divorce that'll make you even more wild. No control. Yeah, I mean, that did you for a minute. Then you got yeah. married again right after. Yeah. And now you're the most mild I've ever seen you. Yeah, man. <laughs> take a special woman to tame a man like me. You take a woman like your kind and contain a gay. <laughs> <laughs> I have been tamed. So uh, while he was at HM Prison in Wandsworth... His biggest strike against an entire prison population, he tried to poison the prisoner in the cell next to him. The prison system in England, again, the story traveled far. Not only did prisoners cheer him, he was like me in high school. Yeah. Like, I remember when I went into 10th grade, my first, like, we had a homeroom class, the first class. She was like, I know about you. Don't try any of it in here, which just made me say, oh, I'm trying it. (laughs) (laughs) I won't try. I'll do. Don't you worry. bitch. I got this under control. Uh, You know, they got sick of his shit. And what do you do with him in prison? It's like there's not anything you can do to make this guy comply. So they're like, well, he's clearly fucking crazy. There's no control. Yeah. He's got a problem. He's not listening to anything. What are we going to do with him? They ship him to Parkhurst in 1976, which is a psychiatric facility. Take him to the nutter ward. And in his book, that's where he says, I knew I fucked up when they sent me to the nut house. Yeah, man. In Parkhurst, he met the infamous criminals, the Cray twins. They were murderers, arsonists, brawlers, and racket runners. So, of course... Those became his best fucking friends. Hell yeah. Bronson would later write, they're the two best guys I've ever met. That shit rocks so much, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He threatened to kill a prison guard. That's how he got out. That's how he got out. And again, they like kept him doped up the whole time. Yeah. Just fucking in his head, on meds. And that's what they'll do. That, like, back in the day, that's what's so scary. That's like one thing I've always been afraid of in getting in legal trouble. Yeah. Because all those movies where you're locked in a psychiatric facility and they pump you full of drugs. Oh, dude. It and then to me. they try to talk to you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that shit But they'll try to, to talk to you and they'll be like, no, he's crazy. Man, I fucking uh, got stuck in this place about 30 minutes away from here. Yeah. Because I was fucking all cooped out on my fucking meds and shit. Yeah. Start talking about the Lord and they were just, I mean, it wasn't even that I was crazy. It was that I was all fucked up. <laughs> and I got this roommate. It was this black dude that he had fucking like cut himself so much over and over from his like from his wrist down to his back. I mean down to his like from his uh, 
chest all the way down to his midsection and probably even further with a razor that he was white. Like it was cut his dick. Yeah, probably. Woo. But what he was in there for, he got a shootout with his dad. And That's all razor Rabone. Dude, he took his dad's dog and took a fucking uh, um, the thing with the shit you kill weeds with a sprayer oh. and shoved it in a dog's mouth and killed his dad's dog. Oh. And so they picked him up for it. I was asleep in the middle of the night. Um, I woke up and he was on top of me. I had the sheets on me. And I was sleeping, but he was like mounted and I couldn't move my arms because he was on, sitting on top of me and he's fucking like choking me. And then uh, I bridged up and rolled and got him off me and just started whooping his fucking ass. And the orderlies could hear us fighting in the room. And then uh, they were like, everybody split up. And I got off the guy and he started freaking out. He started fighting them. And they took him out of the room, and I was like, he attacked me while I was sleeping. And they were like, you need to lay down on your stomach. And I was like, no. <laughs> they were like, you need to lay down on your stomach. I said, no. Yeah. And I pulled the bed from behind the corner, pulled it out, and got in the corner. Because I was like, if I get in the corner, they can't get behind me. Sure. And uh, A tactic. Man. A tactician. It, t- <laughs> it took five of them. They got my ass on the ground. You bronzed them, dude. Well, I fucking, I, I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> and then they go, you're going to get a shot. And it was some benzo that I was addicted to. It was like, it wasn't Xanax, but it was something like, else. Hell yeah. And I go, I'll lay down. <laughs> <laughs> man, I woke up two days uh, later and was like, what the fuck? Yeah, dude? man. Some crazy shit. But yeah. I started acting up worse after that. So I get that shot. Dude. That's a big fear of mine, dude. <laughs> Just getting caught in that cycle, bro. Well, I was whooping some fucking ass. I bet like, you fucking were, dude. What was it called? Ativan. They're like, we're going to give you a Ooh. shot of Ativan. And I was like, all right, lay on down. <laughs> Pump me up. <laughs> Yeah, so he goes, he, uh, threaten to kill a prison guard, and they're basically like, look, this isn't a fucking prison, mate. It's a fucking psychiatric facility. We can't deal with you here. They sent him back to Wandsworth. When he got there, he tried to dig, dig, willpower, sinew, muscle, physically dig out of his cell. They found out they gave him solitary for four Months as soon as he was released back in the general population, he caught up with the prisoner that I guess told the guards that he was digging out of his cell. Sitting next to him, heard him digging, snitched on him, beat the guy pretty much to death, scarring him for life. But what's crazy about Bronson is through all this, this time that he got caught, he attempted to kill himself. Huh. Because it doesn't really match up with like his strong will, you know what I mean? Well, being institutionalized and getting out. Yeah. You know, it fucks people up. They can't handle normal shit. I guess. Well, he tried to kill himself, and then when he got caught trying to kill himself, he attacked another prison guard, of course. So then they sanctioned him under the Mental Health Act, sent him back to Parkhurst, which is the mental facility. (laughs) When he was there, he took a jam jar, broke it in half, Attacked the guy, got charged with grievous bodily harm. December 1978, he's 26 years old now. Bronson arrived at Broadmoor, where he immediately tried to fight people off because they wanted to forcefully medicate him. That's the only way to keep him under control. Yeah. I mean, I don't believe that you should do that, but, like, obviously... How else are you going to deal with this animal? Well, some people go to a field thinking they're going to help people. Then you get some motherfuckers that are just... Yeah, that's what I was saying about the whole thing. Like, it it gets worse. (laughs) Like, his shit's so crazy. Because, like, one of the things... (laughs) I mean, there's so much crazy shit Bronson would do. I don't know if this is going to come up again in the notes. 
But like one of the things he would do if he did some shit and he knew he was going to engage in battle with the prison guards, he would cover him. He would save butter from the chow hall. Yeah. Cover himself in butter and his own shit. Yeah. Cover himself in it. So when they came in, like he would, he would make them come for him. So he would be not only greasy and hard to hold on to, but covered in human shit. Yeah. Where you don't want to grab a hold of him just to make him hard to deal with. <laughs> like that fucking this butter bread. shit. <laughs> but yeah, this butter shit, Bronson. Correct. Trying to grab a hold of old butter shit. Just <laughs> slipping around, covered in dookie. It's <laughs> like like I mean, he's a fucking animal, dude. Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no compromising with this motherfucker. So you got Broadmoor, it's a it's a maximum security psychiatric hospital that's made for people who are notoriously brutal. So the people that he was in the company of were highly dangerous and disturbed inmates, sex criminals, murderers. So Peterson, and this is where he fucking starts to rock. Now, when he finds about, he starts asking people what crimes they committed. And when he finds out, great example right here. This is a child sex murderer named John White. You're talking to the wrong guy. Yeah. You don't want to talk to Charles Bronson. It, it, it's always like that crazy code, you know? Yeah. Like, is Bronson a, a technically bad person? Hell yeah. He's got problems. Yeah. But not like that. Yeah. And that's the type of thing that's good. He also has like a hero complex. I mean, he thinks he's fighting against the wrong in the world. Yep. So if he finds out that you've done a sexually motivated murder to a child... Oh, he's going to kill you. Yeah, you're done. It's a wrap. He's going to fucking kill you. And uh, he jumped on the guy as soon as he found out the murderer's name was John White. They pulled him off. But right as John White was doing what the authorities call a death rattle. Ooh. God damn. So Bronson would say, oh, I witnessed them running into walls, using their heads as rams. I've seen them fall unconscious doing this. They stabbed themselves with pins, needles, and scissors. One even blinded himself in the eye, and another torn out of his own testicle. You've seen that before, right? Yep. There was one that just kept trying to eat himself, biting his arms, legs, and feet. I had a friend the other day who works at the sheriff's department telling me about a guy that ripped his nuts off and mm. ate them. Mm-hmm. Ate him. So that's the type of mental disorders that Bronson ran into. God damn. That just drove him crazy on top of being crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Broadmoor, Bronson attempted to strangle Gordon Robinson to death. He had a tie tied around his neck, but it broke before he could strangle him with it. Damn. Snapped in half. With so much force. Following this failure, Bronson became depressed. <laughs> his spirits got lifted up when his buddy ronnie cray arranged a visit from pro boxer terry downs in 1982 bronson performed his first rooftop protest after escaping to the top of broadmoor he ripped apart the roof tiles he was restrained again with medication so guess what he broke out and did it the fuck again he caused by himself 250,000 euros of damage in a three-day protest. Now, he was protesting not only the way he was treated, but the way he had seen other prisoners be treated, Yep. other prisoners be unfairly sent to the mental institution. That's what really broke Bronson. Yeah. B- because, I mean, to him, 
he wasn't a mental case. To me, he is. Like, yeah. he's got no control over himself. Or if he does and he's making himself do these things over and over again, there's a problem. Yeah. But he's seen people go in and out of both places, people being sedated, people being beat up by prison guards that didn't deserve it, rapes, murders, all these injustices in prisons, and he's tired of it. Yep. And he feels like that becomes his hero cause. He starts to think that he's the right person to be in prison to work through these things and see these things that he's a savior. He feels like he is the guy that's going to pull people out from the slums of prison, bring them into like justice, get them out, get them from treat being treated terrible. So it's kind of a noble cause because prisons suck. People do get treated unfairly, Yep. but again, it's a shit job. Yeah. I mean, you're dealing with, you're getting paid dog shit money. And you're dealing with a lot of animals, so it's like, how do you discern a good person from a bad person? I'm sure you, you just get numbed. You get ill-tempered, and everyone's a problem. It's yeah. like, if half people are a problem all the time, and half the people are good people all the time, you give up. Yeah. Because what are you getting paid, like, 30000 a year? Yeah, if that. To yeah. deal with the criminally insane? Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's just a rough life with fucking everybody. Well, what happens? You see the same thing over and over. You say the same shit to those same people repeatedly. You see the same problems and similar people, and you have the same spill, you know? And then you say that over and over, and then you're like, I remember saying this is one, and it's like, oh, it doesn't work because I'll see those people in six months or whatever, you know? And uh, you just get fucking bored about it. I've, done, I've had a job like that where it's like that, you know? So it's you, you tell them the same thing over and over, and it just becomes this thing where you go oh yeah well i've had broccoli a thousand times <laughs> i eat it every day yeah and then you're like ah fuck i know it's good for me but i gotta get the fuck out of this you know yeah so after he caused the two hundred fifty thousand euros of damage in his protest authorities started to talk to him because he was intentionally doing a protest he told them the problems they got a lot of media attention so they kind of had to listen to him yeah it's not like he got his way on everything, but they started treating him a little bit better. They got him the right type of psychiatrist to speak with him, figure out what his problems are. And what he talked about the most was, again, the injustices of prison. So they told him they were going to start to work on things, and they kind of did. So I mean, you could call it he was under treatment. He was given the right type of medication. He was dealt with far better than he had been before in that time. He took up art, a lot of different art. He drew cartoons. He wrote poems. You can find all these online. And he was actually like a pretty, he's a pretty decent artist. Yeah. And it's like, you can tell that somebody pretty depraved made the art, which is what's unique about it because he's not a mass murderer. Yeah. So you don't have to feel bad about like enjoying. It's like Gacy. He's a decent artist, but you there's some type of feeling inside of you where you feel sick for like endorsing somebody who is a murderous pedophile yeah. you know bronson wasn't that dr kevorkian's fucking art is crazy i've seen it in person it's fucking nuts dude. yeah i don't have such a problem with dr kevorkian really yeah. because he only killed people that wanted to die we gotta do that one we should do that oh Ugh. i kind of like dr kevorkian man because uh i was looking at something with him like not even a month ago where like a lot of people were point the finger at him like he would take advantage of elderly people yeah that were in like a mental like my grandma but it's like dude there are elderly people that are at the end of their life and their life is all suffering they want to die yeah i mean there's been several times where i want to die 
where it would have been like the wrong thing to do. But when you're in your fucking 80s and 90s, how could it be the wrong thing to do? Yep. I don't think assisted suicide is that bad. But I mean, but he was a freak too, though. Oh, yeah. Like, he had some crazy ideas, wrote some crazy shit. His art's fucking crazy. Drew some crazy shit. His so art's I mean, crazy. Yeah. I don't feel too bad about Dr. Kevorkian anyway. But yeah, Bronson shit, you don't have to feel bad about. I mean, and it's also encouraging to see such a fucking brute animal doing art. You know what I mean? And because of that, he started to gain the respect of like the government and prisons. He he won a lot of awards for art, which is hilarious too, because he'd just been stomping people not too long before. But that didn't take him far enough because he made a third rooftop protest this time, not just for everybody else, but he was demanding a transfer. He got talked down. But then he began an 18-day hunger strike, which meant not eating for 18 days. That'll fuck you up. Yeah. So once he got to the point where he could barely move, he was transferred to Ashworth Hospital in June of 1984. That's a few months before I was born. He felt more settled than Ashworth Hospital, but then he fell back into brutal behavior when Mervyn Horley made sexual advances towards him. He'd used a hot sauce bottle, broke it in half, and stabbed him. Right on. Which, you know, it's like a beer bottle, but spicier. Ooh. <laughs> Would not feel good at all. Then they returned him to general population at Rensley Remand Center, 1985. First day he was there, he punched an inmate. They attacked him, fought off guards who were able to send him to solitary confinement once again. May of 1985, he pleaded guilty to grievous bodily harm for attack on Mervyn Horley in the hospital, they gave him three more fucking years in prison. Yep. I mean, this is what keeps happening. He just keeps getting more prison time because he keeps acting out in prison. And I honestly don't feel like, yeah, he stabbed Marvin Horley, but the guy was trying to come on to him, which is a different thing. It's not, it's not like you're in Starbucks and a gay guy comes up to you and he's like, hey, you look great. I would be f- stoked on that. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. be like, damn, I look swole today. This guy came up to me. That makes me feel good. Yeah. Sorry, dog. I'm not into that, but thank you. I'm flattered. Can I buy you a latte? Yeah. You made me feel good about myself. But if you're in prison, it's like this. If you if you act like that, then someone's going to rape you. Yeah. You can't give it. You can't act like that in prison. It's the culture. Yep. Has nothing to do with homophobia. It's the culture. So he's, I mean, so, but I, you know, they everyone hated Bronson. He's a fucking pain in the ass. So whatever he does wrong. They're going to come down on his ass. So now, but it's like, if you hate this guy so much, stop putting him in fucking prison. Later in 1985, he was returned to Walton where he found his way onto another fucking roof. Another three tape protest tore so much shit up. I mean, that's what he did. He just got up there and stripped the fucking roof off. A <laughs> hundred thousand euros in damage. They gave him another fucking year in prison for that. They moved him to Albany prison. First day, smash another convict. Send his ass back to Wandsworth. It's like, there's nothing you can do with Bronson. Where can they handle him? Fucking nowhere. Nope. Who's got the best thing to deal with him? Who knows? 1986, he was transferred a total of eight times. The only new location was Winchester Prison, which is where he strangled the governor of Wormwood Scrubs. What the fuck does that mean? No idea. But he <laughs> was having a violent outburst when that guy was there trying to talk to him. He just grabbed the guy by the throat and started squeezing the fuck out of him. January 3rd, 1987, he was transferred to Gartree, which is where he would spend the rest of his sentence in isolation. 
Upon his release from Gartry, he was met by his family, spent several days living with him, took a train to London, bought a water gun, painted it solid black, used it to intimidating a stranger to giving him a ride to Lutton. <laughs> Just all you know. Yeah. What else are you supposed to do? Seeking excitement, man. And by this time, he's 250 fucking pounds. Five foot ten. He's jacked. Yep. All the guys terrified. Dude. <laughs> and squats, man. Well, here's what I can tell you, dude. Is like reps build muscle. Yeah. Just all day long, over and over again, you're building, you're breaking your body down. Yep. Building it back up with shit prison food. After that trip, he embarked on a short-lived career in illegal bare-knuckle boxing in the east end of London under the advice of his old friends, the Cray Brothers. Officially changed his name from Michael Peterson to Charles Bronson in 1987 on the advice of his fight promoter, Paul Edmonds. The funniest thing about it all is that he had never seen any film from the actor Charles Bronson. The fight promoter obviously had, and if you don't know, Charles Bronson is who played his infamous character in Death Wish. Great he, movie. Yeah, but he he took up arms against the injustices of the world. Yep. Which I felt about Charles Bronson. There is a video of Charles Bronson winning a bare knuckle fight on YouTube, and there's a video of him getting fucking destroyed. Yeah. He's basically because he's not trained in boxing. Yeah. He's an animal. He's just though. a brawler. Yeah. An animal. So he's hard to fight. But if you're a professional boxer, you could easily pick him apart. Yep. If you're obeying the rules. And if he's obeying the rules. If he's not obeying the rules, he might fuck you up. What a hard life he lived. Uh, you know. The main thing to say about Charles Bronson is. He's an anti-hero. Yeah. A real life anti-hero because what did he fight against? You know, like what what were his fucking problems? I don't know if Yeah, I don't know, man. Still alive, by the way. Yeah. I think he just liked to fucking fight, dude. Uh he just got locked up at HM Prison Woodhill in 2019. <laughs> How old is he? 60s uh born 1952 he's 66 years old yep yep and, and he, you, you just can't stop yep that's all he knows though and the yeah. only crimes he's ever been charged of armed robbery with wounding wounding with intent criminal damage grievously bodily harm false imprisonment those are all the only thing that's not prison charges is armed robbery with wounding everything else is in prison the blackmail threatening to kill uh, 2019, he got life fucking imprisonment. Which, you know, who the, who the fuck knows how long it's going to get. Uh, 2014, he changed his name to Charles Salvador, which was respect to one of his favorite artists, Salvador Dali. Mm. Big art. 2008 is when they made the film Bronson, which he has to love. And yeah, it was Tom Hardy. He has to love that. Yeah. I mean, he looks, he looks great in the movie. It's like, it's like they didn't make him look bad. It, it's just like such a hard thing to look at because, I mean, you want to root for him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's not someone you want to hate at all. He's nope. someone you want to be on their fucking side, dude. It's like, it's like one of those fucking complicated characters. Yep. 
Yeah, he's a, he's a complicated son of a bitch, man. Complicated. But yeah, I mean, in 1999, he started writing poetry, doing art. And like, I, I implore you, look up at his fucking, look at his fucking art. Check out his exercise book. If you want to do body weight exercises, it's one of the best books you can get. Yeah, it's crazy. That dude is huge, man, just doing body weight exercises. The only thing I can think about him besides the spree, like, just imagine being a prison guard. Mm-hmm. You could pay, like, $12 an hour. Yep. It's like your first week. And then you just... They send you in, and you see in front of you a guy who's by himself. He's worked himself into a rage. He's covered in butter and shit. <laughs> And your job is to is to make him stop doing what he's doing. You got to put heat lamps in his room, man. So shit melts right <laughs> off of him. <laughs> I would quit. Yeah. Why would he do that job? But yeah, I mean, it, 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 Bronson is super interesting to me, not because of just what I said. The prison system is bullshit. Yeah, it's it, you don't rehabilitate people with it. It, I mean, it, it's a fact. It doesn't help anybody. No, you go in a criminal. You're around more criminals. You learn how to do crime better. You get more angry at the system. Yep. And they don't try to rehabilitate you. That's all bullshit. They yep. don't help you with anything. Everyone there is doing basically a minimum wage job. No one wants, like, no one gives a shit. Mm-hmm. The Absolutely. world we live in is a goddamn nightmare. It Police, sucks. The prison system, it's all hell, brother. Yep. I would love to know how we're going to break out of it, but I have no answers other than sending us $50 to buy more alcohol. <laughs> Thanks to Shane Gillis. <laughs> I guess we'll defend your anti-PC approach for years to come. Yeah. <laughs> That's been it for this episode. Please check us out on YouTube. I want to show you that video of us drinking gross bullshit. Yeah. Which I'm sure we're going to get the 11 subscribers in the next few days anyway. Yeah. But tell your fucking friends. Let's get it out of the word out there. We got a, a, a tune. What did you sync up with the uh, heinous crimes of Bronson to? A band called Syphilic. Okay. And the song is called Guilty, but not really. Hey. Hey. Makes sense, brother. Yeah, that album cover's wild as shit. It's a bunch of white cops just fucking kicking the shit out of a black dude, and they're shoving like batons in his dick. And Oh, man. It's fucking wild as shit, but it's like, a whole lot of samples of like just police brutality and stuff, so... That's one of the things I hate to see. It's one of the hardest things for me to watch yeah. because I think it's good that cops are becoming more accountable. Well, law enforcement's starting to change now because everybody's got a phone. Right. Know, so. And back to fucking Andrew Yang, dude. Yeah. I hate to ride for I hate politicians. I think he's not a politician, but he said last week he thinks cops should at least be a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. Oh, man. Hell yeah. And I I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. I've said this a thousand times, even on the podcast, because it's like when you're doing a martial art like that, where every day you go and you're involved in physical conflict on the mat, the adrenaline of being in a fight goes away. And that's where cops kill. Yep. They're tired. They're worn out. They get paid bullshit. And they don't feel like having one pulled over on their ego gets fucked up. Bad ego. And then they're nervous. Yeah. You got to get the nerves out of it. Like if you if every conflict you get into is not scary to you, you're not going to pull your fucking gun out. No. Take the fear out of it. Take the adrenaline out of it. And if you're a cop, why wouldn't you want to be trained in hand-to-hand combat? You're physically arresting people every day. You have to know how to do it. Your gun is the last option. Yeah. That's how it used to be. It should be. Yeah. Your last fucking option. You got your hands 
first line of defense. And that if you're if you're being paid to do that, that should be it. Yep. Your first line of defense. In an emergency, you can get mace, your taser, in an emergency. Not the first thing you grab. Yep. You don't walk up to a car with your taser pulled. Nope. And then your gun should be the last. If, if someone else has a gun and they're pointing it at you, okay. What has to do with ego, man? We're starting to see more cops train jiu-jitsu, but how many of them come back after that first, second day when you got like a regular person just kick your ass? They can't. And they don't, they're like, you know, I do this all the time. And it's like, yeah, man, but the, you know, those people train jiu-jitsu too. Yeah. And they're going to fuck you up. Because, fuck you up. Because they know how to fight. You fuck don't. Fuck you, you up. Know? Yeah. Right. That's crazy. Ego gets in the way of everything. Teaching them how to do Aikido and gun retention shit from that. All like, bad. Come on, All man. bullshit. Steven Seagal can't help you. Nope. You gotta. You have to get into physical altercations every day of your life, yep. in a neutral environment, and learn how to deal with the nerves that come with it. That's what you have to do. You got to get the adrenaline out of the equation. That's what Charles Bronson did. Absolutely. You know, learn to coolly and calmly kill without an emotional attachment to it. Yep. So that's that, fellas. That's it. Another great episode. I think that was fun. Yeah, it was good. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Follow us on all social media. Five star reviews on iTunes. Even if you want to roast us, there's a couple of funny ones in the last yeah, couple of weeks. Yeah. That's a lot of fun for us. Get on there and shit on us or tell us something cool. Whatever. Yeah. We love to interact with you guys. Send us messages. Buddy will probably respond faster than me, but we'll still get around to it no matter yeah. what. We got busy lives, but we love everybody. We appreciate you guys dealing with this, talking to us. It's a fun community. Get involved. We'll see you on the next. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs>